since, since the beginning of the year, we've been in the season of Epiphany, that time of year after Christmas, before Lent, when we celebrate the light of God coming into the world. We began this series with, if you remember, Fannie Lou Hammer, that Mississippi civil rights organizer who sang for us, I've got the light of freedom, I'm going to let it shine, Jesus gave it to me, I'm going to let it shine. Throughout the journey, we've been challenged to shine our light as we've read together scriptures that we don't normally read from the Hebrew Bible texts, from both the law and the prophets. These scriptures, these ancient words have challenged us, called us to a more active faith, reminding us of a God who calls us to be a light to the nations, to care for those on the edges of society, to build a community where all are welcome and loved and cared for. These texts have reminded us that our light is only as bright as our commitment and ability to work for justice in the world. Today we make a transition. This is the last Sunday of the season of Epiphany, the last Sunday of this series. Next week, as Mary Jo said earlier, we will be in Lent. The pyramids behind us will be changed to purple. We'll begin our journey towards the cross. We'll start a new series next week on the Lord's Prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. I'm really looking forward to it, by the way. I think it's going to be fun. But today, today we make this last stop in this time of light, of epiphany. And here we stand again on the mountain of transfiguration, the, the text that we always read on the Sunday before Lent begins. Today we're not in the Old Testament as we have been for the last few months, but in the New. And the person speaking to us today is not a prophet of old, but is Jesus himself. What appropriate place for us to be as we finish this journey in the light for, as you heard in the gospel text, the mountain that Jesus and his disciples were on was covered with light. It's as if Jesus caught fire from the inside. His clothes became dazzling white. The disciples thought they were just going up a mountain to pray as they had often done with Jesus. This was not what they were expecting. Matthew tells us that Jesus' face shines like the sun. And then out of nowhere, two men show up. Not living men, mind you, but two dead men, long dead men, ancient leaders in the Jewish faith. Moses, who we heard his story a moment ago from Exodus, who stood on his own mountain like this, receiving the law of God. Certainly as the light came and shined on Jesus, the disciples thought about Moses. And about receiving the law from God. And there he was, standing beside them. And he wasn't alone. Standing with Jesus was Elijah, the kind of quintessential prophet. The one who would set the stage for all the prophets who would come after him. The one who spoke up in boldness against the wicked King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Calling them to repentance there on the mountain with Jesus. Surrounded by the disciples were the law And the prophets, Moses and Elijah, as Jesus was flooded with light, he begins to have a small group meeting with these dead guys who we wonder what they talked about. What would we have done had we been there in that moment? What would we have said? What would our reaction have been? Peter, the disciple who's sort of known for speaking before thinking, declares, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Okay, Peter, if you wish, I'll make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, three houses right here on top of the mountain. 
See, Peter doesn't want to leave the moment behind. It's so beautiful. It's so meaningful. He wants to stay on the mountain forever. Let's just build houses, he says. One for you so that, well, one for each of you so that none of this and none of you could ever go away. Let's stay on the mountain forever. Let's be surrounded by light forever and bask in the glory of God. But while Peter's still talking, he's interrupted. As if this scene could not get any stranger, a cloud, much like that cloud from Exodus on Moses' mountain. But this is not a dark cloud. This is a bright cloud. I don't know what a bright cloud really is, but it's a cloud of light and it surrounds Jesus. The whole mountain, they're all encompassed by this cloud. And from the bright cloud, a voice speaks, the voice of God speaking to Peter, to James, to John, probably to Moses and Elijah as well. And maybe even echoing all the way to us. The voice says, this is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. Say that with me. Listen to him. Listen to him. So what does Jesus have to say? Now, the disciples hear this and they fall flat on their faces. That's probably what we would do, what all should do when you hear the voice of God. And then after all the lights are turned off, the dead men return to wherever it was they were. The disciples' faces are still in the ground, not realizing that all had returned back to normal. And Jesus, we're told, touches them touches these crouching, scared disciples, and Jesus speaks to them. And what does Jesus say to them? He says, get up and do not be afraid. God says, listen to him. And Jesus says, get up and do not be afraid. I'll be honest, I don't have a lot of profound things to say this Sunday. If you've been around church long enough, you've probably heard this story before. I've preached it more times than I'd probably like to. And yet, no matter how many times we hear it, its strangeness still perplexes us. But I think there's one message that we should hear from this today. In the midst of all the lights and the clouds and the, 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 the voice of God, I think what the voice of God is telling us to do today is to listen to Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Get up. Don't be afraid. Maybe it takes getting blinded by the light to get this into our head. But Jesus, being Jesus' disciple has nothing to do with fear. Being the church, the disciples of Christ, has nothing to do with being afraid. We don't fear God, nor do we fear our mission given to us by God. We may go away from a moment on the mountaintop. We may go away too that moment on the mountaintop like the disciples did with Jesus. We may stand in the presence of God and worship, but we cannot hide away in dwellings worshiping forever. Because disciples aren't meant to stay on mountaintops and buildings so they can stay contained and keep the light within. Disciples must leave the mountain. So the story ends with Jesus taking them down the mountain. If we keep reading, we hear that the first thing they encounter when they come down the mountain is a man whose son is sick. The need waiting for them at the foot of the mountain. Having experienced the presence of Christ, the disciples must get up, not be afraid, and go face a world that's in need of the light they've just experienced. Because down the mountain, well, there's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of hate at the bottom of the mountain. And there's so much indifference down the mountain that are those that we've heard spoken of over the last few weeks from the law and from the prophets, the least of these, the poor. 
Those who hunger and thirst for justice, the stranger, the foreigner, the refugee and the immigrant, the racial, the religious minority, the scared transgender student at the bottom of the mountain are people in need of light whose lives are surrounded by darkness, who don't need dwellings filled with light on mountaintops, but need disciples who get filled with the light up on the mountain and go back down and follow Jesus to where the people are. And so the voice of God says, listen to Jesus. And Jesus says, get up, church, and don't be afraid. Because we've got the light of freedom. And well, when you got the light, you got to what? This is this little call and response that you got the light. What do you got to do? You got to let it shine. All the time? All the time, let it shine. We're going to sing that in a minute. This is prep. In your, in your bulletin insert, the week of compassion uh, insert on the back says that God is most tangible tangibly present in this world where people hunger, thirst, lack adequate clothing and shelter, and are sick or imprisoned. God is present when those people are suffering. And Christ claims as family members, people who suffer, it reads. Christ is so present in them that when you feed the hungry, care for the sick, welcome the stranger, you feed and care and welcome Christ. When you give through week of compassion, when you share the light of freedom with all those in need, those who suffer from natural disasters, war, systemic poverty, you let them know that you are here. We are here because that's where Jesus would have us be. So what are we going to do, church? Hang up on mountaintops? Well, maybe not in Iowa, but we can build our own mountains if we wanted. Or we can listen to Jesus. We can spend that time in the light, but then go down, not afraid never afraid and go marching and and dancing and walking and singing in the light of God. We've got the light of freedom, church. Don't be afraid to let it shine. Let it shine all the time. Let it shine. Amen? Amen. Amen. As we approach the table of Christ, let's sing that song, We Are Walking in the Light of God. And I'm not going to make you sing the uh, other languages today. Uh, but we'll sing it three times, and the second time we'll, we'll go walking, we'll go marching, and we'll go singing in the light of God. Let us sing. Number 422. Oh, that is the wrong number. Well, here we go. 442. 442. There we go. Sorry about that. Number 442.